Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. And we want to continue with this that we've been on tonight, uh, what Christmas really means. And uh, let's go to two openings real quick tonight. Let's go to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And uh, we'll get into some things tonight. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture around Christmas time because you see it on uh, all kinds of Christmas cards. And it says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth unto me, that's to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting, or the days of eternity. And so we look here, and there's, Of course, the first part of that verse talks to us about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. But the second part of the verse is what I think people miss a lot. Notice what it says concerning him. His goings forth have been from of old, from the days of eternity. And so that tells us that Jesus had activities that he was involved in all through the ages, ever since eternity. Uh, We won't take the time to go there, but we've been quoting a lot John chapter 1, where it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says the same was in the beginning with God. The same was in the beginning with God. With, face to face. All right, face to face communication turned toward each other. In other words, From eternity past, there was not a time that the Father and the Son were not face-to-face. There wasn't a time that they weren't turned towards each other, all right? And from eternity past, he says, from the days of eternity was his goings, was his goings, whose goings forth have been from of old. All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Scriptures, we see these things that are called theophanies. All right, theo, T-H-E-O, theophanies, theophanies, all right? It means an appearance of God or, or a, a action of God, theophanies, and we see them all through the Scripture. We're not going to turn to these tonight, but uh, this will play into what I'm, I'm, I'm teaching on. Uh, uh, for instance, when Joshua was outside of Jericho in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua chapter 6, uh, Joshua had just told the people, you know, we're, go- we're getting ready to go over into the promised land. And, and, and he was preparing them. And it said he looked over and he saw a man standing there that had his sword drawn. And Joshua went over to him and said, you know, are you for us or are you against us? And he said, I am come as the captain of the Lord's host. That's why I'm here. And it says that Joshua fell on his face and worshipped him and called him Lord. All right? Called him Lord. The word Lord there is the word Jehovah. All right? Then it goes into chapter 6, and it says now Jericho was tightly shut up, right? And, and, And none went out, none came in. The Lord, and then the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. See, the conversation hasn't changed. The, the, the setting hasn't changed from Joshua chapter 5 to Joshua chapter 6. The Lord said, take off your shoes for the place you stand on is holy ground. And while he's in that position, it says the Lord told him what to do. The Lord, Jehovah. Yet the Bible says that uh, uh, he called himself the captain of the Lord's host. Remember what we taught last Wednesday? How Jesus constantly said, I and the Father are one. You can't separate them. 
He accepted, he accepted worship from men and women on the earth. Angels won't accept worship. Men of God won't accept worship. What, what was that? A theophany. His goings are from the days of eternity. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in Paul's writings, he said they all drank from that same spiritual rock and it was the rock that followed them that was Christ Jesus. That rock that followed them was Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. When, when, when you study that out, that followed them, it means followed to aid or followed to succor or followed to help. The eternal Son of God was always active on the behalf of His people. His goings forth are from eternity. He's been acting ever since the world was. Amen. Hallelujah. When, when uh, Moses was keeping his father-in-law's sheep, the Bible says that uh, uh, he, was, he was there on the mountain. And, you know, very often we talk about the burning bush. But the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared in a flame of fire in that bush. But, but now notice, the angel of the Lord appeared. Throughout the Old Testament, a common, a common name for the pre-incarnate Christ is the angel of the Lord. In the Hebrew, it refers to the angel of the covenant. Now here, here I'm, I'm maybe taking too much time on this. But, but, but notice, it says that the angel of the Lord appeared in that flame and said, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, or I'm going to send you to your people to deliver them. And remember what Moses said? He said, who shall I say sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Tell them the I am sent you. I thought it was the angel of the Lord speaking. He said, I'm the I am. And then you read on down the verses, it says, and the Lord said, the word Lord there is Jehovah. See, people stay away from this because they, they, they don't want to they, 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 they feel like they're in a, like a oneness doctrine. It's not a oneness doctrine. You can't get around the, the, the straight language that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. See, but we see the distinction. The angel of the Lord... He was at, in action. I am. Now, you fast forward to the book of John, and Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. Amen. He's talking to the religious leaders, and, and he's, they, he's, he was talking to them, and they said they, 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 were, they were questioning him about things. And Jesus said in the book of John, I think it's John chapter 7, John chapter 8, and he made the statement, he made this statement. He said, I was from the beginning. I was from the beginning. He said, here's the problem. You don't believe that I am. Now, the King James says he, but he is always in italics. And it's put there for explanation and, and for clarification. But at times it hurts the meaning of what's being said. He said, you don't believe that I am. So what's he saying? I am, I am not only the God that delivered Israel I set it in motion in the burning bush from so the point is everything that Jesus did throughout his pre-incarnate activities everything that he did was building up to his ultimate goal the ultimate plan of God Jesus has always been involved in redeeming God's people he's always been involved in bringing God's people out of bondage and bringing God's people out of problems. Always. He's always been involved in the blessing of God's people. Always. We, uh, uh, you got time for one more? And, and you know this one. But in, in, the, in the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah threw him in the, in the burning, in the, in the furnace. And then he looked and he asked the guys around him, how many guys we throw in? They said three. 
He said, then why do I see four? And they're all up walking around. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Now, there are well-meaning theologians that will say, well, he didn't mean that because he wouldn't have known what the Son of God meant anyway. Problem is, words mean what they mean. And you know what the word son means? Son. Literally, it's what it means. Look it up, look it up in your, in your, in your uh, concordance. It means son. It was the Son of God. Whether he knew what the Son of God looked like or not, the Holy Spirit knew what the Son of God looked like, and he inspired the writer to write that. He was the, the Son of God was in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to deliver them. His goings are from eternity. Amen. So his birth in the natural was in Bethlehem, but his origin was in eternity. Oh, he existed long before he became flesh in the womb of Mary. Now, Matthew 121, the angel is talking to Joseph, and he says, she's going to have, he said, Mary's going to have this child, and you're going to call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. He's my Savior. Oh, he's my Savior. Amen. You know, I've had people tell me, like, you know, you sure look at the meaning of words a lot. I sure do. You know, it was, it was something. A lot of people say, you know, Jesus, Jesus. And, and you know, the Bible says no other name. Uh, there's no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved, but through and by the name of Jesus. Why? That's what his name means means Savior. You call on that name, you're calling on the Savior. Hallelujah. Look, look here at Genesis chapter 2. So we were saved. He will save his people from their sins. But not only was mankind in need of a Savior, they were in need of a Redeemer. Needed to be saved from and redeemed. All right? So being saved from sin was not enough. Being saved was not everything that God wanted. Mankind had to be redeemed from sin as well. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. So the Lord put him in the garden to dress and keep it. And you know, of course... The serpent came. Satan worked through the serpent and caused them to fall in the garden. In Genesis 3, right over the next chapter, verse 15, it says concerning this very familiar prophecy, what the Lord God said to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and it will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So at Adam's fall, mankind was brought under the control of Satan. He was brought under God's, uh, the control of God's arch enemy. Sin overcame mankind. Sin set in motion spiritual death. Now, notice, the father was pointing to the fact that a redeemer would come to man. All right, he's pointing to the fact that a redeemer is coming. Now, what had to happen was man's understanding had to be prepared. Man's understanding had to be prepared. Look at Isaiah 7 and 14. The father would use prophecies and types to point to the coming Redeemer. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We've read this a couple of times. But it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. So the first thing we see is the Redeemer would be born of a virgin. All right? Luke chapter 1, you don't have to go there, but 26 through 31 tells us that Jesus was born of a virgin. All right? Let, let, let's us know that very plainly. Now, why is that important? This is one of the signs. This is, this is the preparation of man's understanding. 
the Redeemer will be born of a virgin. Amen. Uh, Ruth, Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. The Redeemer would be our kinsman Redeemer. Ruth chapter 3 and verse 12. This is when Boaz was speaking to uh, Ruth. And he said, it's true that I'm your near kinsman. However, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it will be in the morning that if he'll perform unto you the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to you, then will I do the part of a kinsman to you. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. Now, chapter 4 and verse 8. Therefore the kinsman said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said to the elders and unto all the people, you are witnesses this day that I've bought all that was Elimelech's, all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. All right? So this is, this is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. All right? This is, this is the people of God coming out of bondage. They, they came out of the land of the enemy back to the house of bread. You'll remember the Bible says that Elimelech left during the time of famine and him and Naomi went into the land with their sons Chilion and Malon and they went into to a foreign land and they, they, uh, uh, Chilion and Malon married Ruth and Orpha, right? But the day came that Elimelech died and the two boys died and, and, and Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem, came back to the house of bread where their Redeemer was. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And he said, I'll perform the part of the kinsman redeemer. Had to be kin. To be a kinsman redeemer, you have to be kin. You understand? When you got born again, you became blood relation with Jesus and God. But Jesus had to become a man so he could be next of kin. To us. Glory to God. See his goings forth are from eternity past. This was in God's plan. Before the world ever was. Before eternity ever existed. It was already in God's plan. That Jesus would become flesh and blood. And take on the part of being our kinsman redeemer. Oh hallelujah. Look. Look. <laughs> Look, 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 look at Hebrews 2.11. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Hallelujah. I mean, it's just another Christmas sermon. Glory to God. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. Notice, for both he that sanctifieth, now he that sanctifieth is Christ. And notice, and they who are sanctified are all of one. Now, what does that mean? The one that sanctifies and the one that are sanctified are both men. You understand? And then it says, notice, all of one. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus isn't ashamed to call us brethren. Why? He's our kin. He's our kinsman redeemer. Hallelujah. Look at Job chapter 19. Job chapter 19. Oh my goodness. And verse 25. For I know that my redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I will see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. This Redeemer, Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. 
It means to act as a kinsman redeemer, to redeem from slavery, to redeem by payment, to redeem individuals from death. And notice Job says, I know my redeemer lives. I know it. I know my redeemer lives. He says, my redeemer lives. It means I know my redeemer is living. I know my redeemer is alive. Right? Now, now this is Job that had an imperfect understanding of the things of God. But here in his trouble, he says, wait a minute. I know my Redeemer's alive. I know my Redeemer is living. And the fact that Job has faith to see God in his flesh after his skin is destroyed is speaking of physical resurrection. Job is getting a glimpse of what's going to happen as redemption is perfectly played out. And he says, I know something. That even after the worms destroy my body, I know that I will see him. Mm. By faith he had tapped into the doctrine of redemption. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, look at Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Oh, glory. And verse 32. He says, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman between us that might lay his hand upon both of us. Job says there's no daysman between me and God. The daysman, it, it means one that should argue, or an umpire. In the New Testament, he's called our intercessor. Intercessor means one that goes between. Ah, so here Job recognizes his need for an intercessor. There's no daysman. He's not a man like I am, and he says there's no daysman. That might lay his hand upon us. Notice something. Here Job comes very close to describing Christ as our intercessor. Very close. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. See, he's preparing man's understanding. It says in Hebrews 10.1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices that they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Hallelujah. In Galatians 3 and verse 24, we're throwing a lot of scripture at you tonight. It says, verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So notice, what was the object of the law? To point to Christ. The law, it says, notice, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Amen. So the subject of the law, the object of the law, was to point towards Christ. And the law was full of types of redemption. Full of types of redemption. The Ark of the Covenant. It represented the presence and the glory of God among His people. All right, God's glory, God's presence among His people. Enclosed in the ark was the unbroken law of God that was preserved inside it. What, how, how is this a picture? Just as in Christ, the law was unbroken within Him. Everybody you know, everybody that lived before Christ, everybody that's lived after Christ has broken the law. Christ is the only one that carried the unbroken law within him and never broke it. And the Ark of the Covenant carried the unbroken law and it was a shadow of him that was to come. Full of grace and truth, we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No guile was found in his mouth. He never broke the law of God. It was perfectly unbroken within him. Oh, hallelujah. The ark was made of wood, which represented Christ's humanity. It was completely covered in solid gold, representing His divinity. Hallelujah. The Word provides types and shadows as well. 
in Genesis 22. The word provides types and shadows. Genesis chapter 22 and uh, verse 7. Isaac spake to Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Where's the lamb? Verse 13. And Abraham lift up his eyes and looked, and behold him, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. When Abraham was on the verge of sacrificing his son, God provided a substitute. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, so the Redeemer... was promised, man's understanding had to be prepared, and then the Redeemer had to be presented. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word which was God in the beginning, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was presented to man as His Redeemer when the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, when Jesus came into the world, He fully understood his mission. He fully understood the plan of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5, it says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering you would not but a body you have prepared me. In sacrifices and burnt offerings for sin, you had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do your will, O God. These words were spoken by Jesus. Then said I, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. This is a conversation that took place between the Father and the Son. Because he, he looked at the Father and he said, he said, I come, notice, I come to do your will. See, a lot of people, they'll, they'll minister and they'll say the whole purpose for Jesus coming into the earth was to die. No, the whole purpose of Jesus coming into the earth was to fulfill the plan of the Father that included dying. It was the plan. The plan was what was on Jesus' mind constantly. I only do those things the Father tells me to do. I only say the things my Father says. Hallelujah. See, th th this is a little sidebar. What gets a lot of people in trouble in their Christian walk is they get their eyes off the plan. If God has a plan for everybody. Everybody's got a part in God's plan. And, and I don't get to choose it. I get to discover it. And, and when the plan is the focus, when the plan is the focus, that's where the victory's found. And Jesus said, I came to do your will. I came to do your will. Now, in Galatians 4, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, when the fullness of the time was come, now that means the proper time, when the proper time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law 
that we might receive the adoption of sons. Notice, the fullness of time, the proper time, and then notice this, God sent. God sent. The Redeemer was God's idea. See, if, if you're not careful, when, when people study the Word, they get this idea that because when Adam fell, that, that God was punishing mankind until Jesus could come into the earth. That was the furthest thing from God's mind. The moment Adam fell, God immediately began working to get man reconciled back to himself. Immediate. It wasn't hundreds of years later. It wasn't thousands of years later. It was immediate. We see it in Genesis chapter 3. The moment, the very moment that he confronted Adam and Eve about their sin, and the moment they begin laying blame, God, God like a laser went directly to the serpent, went directly to the deceiver and said, here's what's going to happen. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head and you're going to bruise her heel. Immediately God got those words out of his mouth and started at that moment in the garden reconciling man to himself. God, the Redeemer was God's idea. Do, do you understand that? The Redeemer was God's idea. I, I hear people, they'll say, you know, God hates sin. God hates the effects of sin. Because the effects of sin is what? Death. And he said, I've come that you might have life. The Redeemer was God's idea. God sent his son. You know, we think about Jesus' willingness to come. What about the Father's willingness to send him? You know, it wasn't just Jesus who had been face-to-face -face with the Father from the pathways of eternity. The Father had been face-to-face -face with the Son. They had not been disconnected for eternity. And yes, it's wonderful that Jesus was willing to go, but it's just as wonderful that the Father was willing to send Him. Hallelujah. And He said to redeem them. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the uh, adoption of sons. To redeem by payment of a price. To recover from the power of another. To ransom. To buy off. Oh, hallelujah. So after all the types and shadows, after the schooling process had been completed, God sent the Redeemer at the right time to fulfill His plan. After all the types and shadows, after, after all the schooling process, notice in Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, if we stop and we look at this, Christ has redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us. Christ, by payment of a price, has recovered us from the power of another. By the payment of a price. By the payment of a ransom. You know, when Hebrews chapter 2, it says that Jesus partook of flesh and blood so that he might through death destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And it says, and redeem those who all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. See, people say, what ransom was paid? The devil held death over people's head. People were scared spitless of death. And what did Jesus do? He came and paid the price. Paid the ransom and took that power away. 
That, that, listen to me. That's why the only option the devil has is to lie to you. You hear me? If, if, if the devil comes and says, you know what? You might die. What is that? He's trying to use the power of something that he doesn't have anymore. Don't miss that. The, the, the enemy will come and, and people will say, he, you know, the, the devil's telling me I might die. He doesn't have the power to make that happen. The power of death has been taken from him. That's a lie. Amen. Why? Because in heaven it is recorded that the ransom was paid. See, so you get the idea. Do you get the idea? So in the garden, yes, Adam fell. Adam transgressed. But what happened to the human race? We were kidnapped by the devil. Amen. But what happened? The ransom came from heaven. The Redeemer came and paid the ransom. Oh, hallelujah. And the kidnapper was destroyed. Do you understand that? Listen, in God's mind, the devil's already judged. Hear me when I say this. It's the only thing that's left is him being cast into the lake of fire. That's it. He's already judged. How do I know that? Because remember what Jesus said? He said, now is the prince of this world judged. Now. When? At the cross. At the cross. Satan's Satan's fate was sealed at the cross it was sealed the payment was made the price was made man was redeemed back to God the ransom was paid in God's mind the price for every person's salvation is paid the devil is not only a defeated foe in theory in actuality he is a defeated foe because I have been redeemed If he was manifest, Jesus, in the flesh, it says it was to destroy the works of the devil. If he was manifest, the works were destroyed. If I was redeemed, I was redeemed from everything that the enemy had power of. Aha! Ha 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 ha! Woo! Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, part of that redemption process was becoming a curse, receiving the curse on himself. That's why I can stand against the curse, because the curse was carried. He became the curse. I don't have to have anything Jesus became. Woo, glory. See, he became sin so I could become his son. He became sick so I could become the healed. He became poor so I could be rich. He redeemed me by becoming something. Hallelujah. He redeemed me by becoming something. And because he became something, I became something. Oh, that's good news. Hallelujah. Do you see that? For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, you read those words in Deuteronomy 21, 23. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Well, they didn't hang you on a tree for being a great guy. They hung you on a tree because you broke the law. You understand? We just said Jesus had the unbroken law of God in him. He never broke the law. Think about this. Jesus was never under the curse. Even though he was born in the flesh, he walked on top of the curse his whole earthly existence. Does that make sense? 
He had to become accursed. When did he become accursed on the cross? What happened the moment he became accursed? The curse was lifted off everybody that will put faith in Christ. See, see how the mindset has to shift? The curse has been removed. The curse has been removed. And, and here's what the curse does. It comes slinking around our homes like some kind of rat or some kind of weasel trying to find its way into our house, into our lives. I have been redeemed. See, what I, what I want in you is a little bit of anger. I've been redeemed. You understand? The ransom's been paid. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I have, I have a phrase for the devil. When I really get on him. Amen. He picks on my family or something like that. I say, listen to me, you filth. Take your filthy hands off my family. Just who do you think you are? You filth. No, you don't want to take the devil lightly. I'm not taking the devil lightly. I'm standing in my authority. I know, the, I, know, I know I was once a servant to sin. And I know that Jesus paid the price. And I've been delivered. I've been ransomed. I've been set free. Amen. See, I needed a Savior, but I needed a Redeemer. There are people that are saved, but they don't live like they're redeemed. They're saved. When they die, they're going to go to heaven, but they're not living like they're redeemed. I want you to live saved and redeemed. I'm redeemed. Amen. You, you, you have no right. The ransom has been paid. Hallelujah. When I was a boy growing up in church, we sang a song called, The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago. And it went like this. It went, and the record's clear today. Jesus washed my sin away. The old account was settled long ago. There used to be an account, and it used to have my name on it. But Jesus came from heaven and paid the ransom. And that old account was settled long ago. Long ago. The record's clear today. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen. Do you remember what Jesus, am I helping anybody? you remember what Jesus said? They came, the 70 came back, and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And you know Jesus didn't go, boy, isn't that good? Wow. Good job, guys. He went, he, it, if, when you read it, you can see this. He went, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, I was there. I saw him defeated. See, he's saying, he's saying this. I saw him defeated then. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, and, 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 and I'm just giving it to you for thought. You do whatever you want to do with it. Many theologians believe it was physically Jesus that tossed him out of heaven. Now, I know the book of Revelation says Michael and his angels fought, and, and the devil and his angels were put out of heaven. So I'm not saying that for Bible. I'm not even saying that I believe that. But it would, I mean, could you imagine Jesus saying, here you go? <laughs> and you know, ever since the devil was cast out of heaven, the boy ain't been right. Amen. My... My, my people, you know, my, my mother's people all come from the south, Kentucky. I don't know how Kentucky's considered south. It's up north. But anyway, the, the, the point is, they, they'd look at somebody and they well, dear Lord, that boy isn't right. <laughs> well, you know, 
They say that the reason the earth is tilted on its axle is that Satan hit the earth so hard he tilted the earth on its axle. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but here's what I know. Ever since that day, he hadn't been right. Amen. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I, I'm redeemed from anything that you that, that the enemy tries to do. You are redeemed from anything that the enemy tries to because the ransom has been paid. There is a record. The day that you were born again, there's a record in heaven that you were considered ransomed and the price was paid. I should say it this way. There is a record that you received the ransom price on that day. When Jesus said it is finished and he went into the earth and went into hell and paid the ultimate price, when he rose from the dead, the books were cleared. All I have to do is receive it. I'm almost done. Just bear with me. Then it says, so that, King James says that, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now when it says might, that, that, that word might is not the same way we use it. Will you come to church tonight? Well, I might. They're not coming. Not coming. Well, I might fast tomorrow. You're going to eat six big meals. Not might. That this, this means that the way, the only way this could happen is for him to become a curse. And in that way, the blessing could come on us. Now look at, look at the focus. Look at, look, at, look at the end result. Jesus willingly became a curse. So we could willingly Become the blessed. So we're redeemed. Now, now, let me hurry with this. We're redeemed. People say, well, I'm redeemed from sin. You know what you're redeemed from? You are redeemed from the dominion of sin. Because the price, listen, how, how do, here's why I'm saying this. Anybody in here can sin, but you don't have to. Do you know in the Old Testament they had no power over sin? No power over sin. No power over sin. That's why you see some very imperfect people that are in the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith. You remember what the Bible calls Rahab? What that what did it call her? A what? A, a what? Now, what's a harlot? Need I say more? She's in the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith. By faith, Rahab. By faith, Rahab. You, you understand? I was redeemed from the power of sin over my life. The price was paid. I don't have to sin. I have power over it. I don't have to do it. You, you, do you see how important that is? I was saved from sin, saved from the effects of sin, and redeemed from the power of sin. What does that mean? Every sin that you committed before you were born again, you were saved from that. You will never pay the price for those sins. Oh, glory. and you've got power over sin from that moment forward. So I, will, I don't have to pay the price for what I did do, and I don't have to ever do it again. Woo, glory! My, I about ran. I just nearly took off. I'm telling you, think about that. In, in this Advent season, I'm redeemed from the power of sin. Think about that. You know what a year next year is shaping up to be? Whew. Amen. So that the blessing of Abraham 
might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. You know, I just feel led to say this. You know, there are things that crop up in people's lives. And it can be thoughts, it can be actions, it can be feelings, it can be, it can be whatever. I've been redeemed from that. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, but pastor, you know, you know I, don't, I don't know if I can ever, you know, I, I, made, I made such a mess of things before. I know, aren't you glad that we're redeemed from messes? Isn't that great? Because what was, what was, was forgiven and forgotten. Now, if you watch the progress, the progression, when I got born again, what was, was forgiven and forgotten. But not forgiven and forgotten, but yet still exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Now, why? The person that did it doesn't exist anymore. Remember what I said a few weeks ago? Anything new doesn't have a past. The Bible says if any man, any woman be in Christ, let them be a new creature. Now, if you, if you bear with me, I, I, I got to say this by the Holy Spirit. So, if I'm new, explain to me my past. Right? I mean, when somebody, you say, you say, oh, that couple just had a new baby. Well, what does that mean? It's not one of their old ones. They had a new one. right so what what does that mean that's a new baby that baby doesn't have a past what listen think about this does a new baby have thoughts of failure tell me why they've never failed yeah but pastor i failed the dead you failed see if, if I put all my emphasis on what I used to be, I won't live in the power of who I am. And, and I've, had to, I've, I've had to learn that. We've, and, 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 and when I do that, when I do that, I lessen the impact of my Savior, my Redeemer, and my King. Because He saved me from sin. Save me from the effects of sin. From the, and, but he redeemed me from the dominion of sin. Sin can only have power over someone that still thinks there's a price to pay. If you think there's a price to pay, sin will have dominion over you. No, the price has been paid. I'm free. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you know what? I'm free. And you got to practice that. You know, because when the, when the devil comes along and starts saying stuff, you just got to answer him like this, I'm free. Pastor Michelle and I will be watching the show. You know, she likes those true lives. You know, like catch a smuggler, stuff like that. I like it too. And sometimes then those people will be coming, they got their bag, and, and the police will stop them. And they'll say, we need to go through your bag. And the guy will kind of, and I'll go, he's a crook. I know crooks, and he's a crook. I'm mainly playing with her. But mostly I'm right. Right? But here's the thing. That's how you got to answer the devil. I'm redeemed. The blood of Jesus Christ has purged my conscience so I can serve the living God. Amen. Let me finish with this. I remember one time, uh, now, of course, I was born again. I was in the ministry. And the enemy was just, would plague my mind about failures. Amen. You know, sometimes, sometimes you'll look at, and you'll start thinking about, 
where you think you should be in your life or where you should think you should be, you know. And, and uh, the, the, the point is what you're doing is you're, is, is you're doing the same thing with your time that people do with money. Here's what I want you to understand. Tomorrow morning, whatever time you get up, you're going to have 24 hours from that moment to do what you need to do in your day. If you spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes on something unimportant, you're never going to get that time back. Ever. You can't get that time back. you got to spend time on what's important and what's relevant. And so anyway, the enemy would, would, was badgering my mind about what you should have done, what you could have done. And man, I just, it was one of those moments. It was one of those moments. And I just, I just, I, I was, my wife and I were actually praying. And, uh, and, and, and it was just a God moment. And I just put my head on her shoulder. And we were just praying. And I'll never forget it. She put her hand on my head. And she said, the blood of Jesus Christ has purged your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. Man, in that moment, I sensed the Holy Spirit. My life's never been the same. I still use that today. When the enemy starts running his mouth about you, Jesus Christ has purged my conscience with his blood so I can serve the living God. (laughs) And that's why your future is brighter than your past. Nobody in here are your best days behind you. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. Because if you think your best days are behind you, you're not going to do anything more. My best days are yet ahead of me. Oh, hallelujah. Say that out loud. My best days are yet ahead of me. Amen. See, the best sermons you've ever preached are yet to be preached. The best songs you've ever written, ever sang, they're yet to be written and sung. The best days of your family are still ahead of you. The best days of your marriage are yet ahead of you. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I'll say that. I'll say that. Yeah, the best person for you to be married to is yet ahead of you. Hallelujah. They're there, and it'll be the best. I said it'll be the best. Why? Because I've been redeemed from the worst. Hallelujah. Let's stand up, shall we? I hope you receive something tonight. Hallelujah. You know, when I'm quoting the word, none of my, uh, none of my daughters are married. And, uh, my, uh, of course, both my boys are married. They keep me supplied with grandkids. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when I'm praying for my kids' marriage, something that I always pray over them is, Lord, I bind counterfeits from their past. People say, don't you want them to hurry and get married? No. I want them to get married right. (laughs) We're going to bind counterfeits from their past. All the singles in my church, I bind counterfeits from your past. Amen. Not going to have no counterfeit. You're going to have the one that God wants for you. Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Michelle and I will be here together Sunday morning uh, uh, she was going to go to Kansas and and uh, I, I took great relish in explaining to the staff that I told my wife she wasn't going on a trip this weekend and uh, you know maybe I embellished that just a bit but I I reasoned with her is maybe a better term but uh, she laughed we were in the hospital and I said the staff got a kick out of that and she said <laughs> I bet they did Hallelujah. But I am, I am very glad. We're, we're rejoicing. Uh, when, uh, when Liliana got to the hospital, uh, we weren't aware. She was a very sick little girl. 
and uh, uh, the, of course the Lord's good and 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 brought her out. But uh, uh, you know, it's I'm just every time God does something, I'm just I'm I'm just I re-sign up. It's like in the military. I just signed up for another hitch. You know, I'm re- okay, Lord, you did it again. So where you want me to go now? Amen. Isn't that good? Praise God. Hallelujah.